Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. Welcome, Reading Aloud community, to our series on pandemic partnerships. In this series, we'll have conversations with 10 different couples and singles from across the country to dive deeper into how relationships are handling this ongoing global pandemic as we close out our second full year of COVID being a thing in our lives. We hope this series helps you in your own relationships and partnerships during this heavy time. Thanks for listening to the Reading Aloud pandemic partnership series. And as always, if you have any questions, or feedback for Marisol and Adam, please connect with us on social media at Reading Aloud Podcast. Or our email, readingaloudlove at gmail.com. Enjoy. Enjoy. Before we get started, how is how is wedding planning going? No, whoa, whoa, oh, we're whoa. T- oh, we're getting into this. That's content, baby. This is content. Yes. Oh, That's in fact the entire podcast. <laughs> Oh, we're happy to report it's going relatively well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're super excited to have you all on the podcast. So we will officially get started. We have Sam and Stacy with us and we're really excited. We love them so much. And uh, we'll let you tell us just a little bit about what you do so that folks have some context. Um, I am a painter and an illustrator and sometimes muralist. I live in Los Angeles and... That's, I guess, all I could think of saying right now, but I can elaborate later if you if you would like. Uh, working director, filmmaker, do a lot of things in like the commercial space and music videos and short films and all that stuff. And like everyone else in Los Angeles, I'm trying to like get into doing features and TV. And uh, I spend most of my time here in Los Angeles with uh, my fiance, Stacy. And uh, our cats, Julius and Doug, who may make an appearance at some point. Hopefully we'll make an appearance. We very much hope so. (laughs) And and what part of LA are you all in? The dirty secret. We're actually in Glendale. Yeah. Um, We're in the northeast corner of Los Angeles. So technically for all people who are familiar with Los Angeles, we're close to like Highland Park and Eagle Rock and those kind of cool hip spots. But we're technically in Glendale. I think for most people, they're just like, where are you from the Hollywood sign? Like for, yeah. for most people, I mean, we're in North Carolina. People know nothing about LA. They're oh like, my gosh, the Hollywood they sign. definitely know. We're, no, we're, like, <laughs> we're, closer to we're, the we're in the middle of the woods here. We live in the woods. In the we woods. live in the woods. Yeah. People have not left the Hollywood. In fact, some people have never even heard of LA. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. For about a 40 minute, no, probably 30 minutes as the crow flies from the Hollywood sign. That's the oh, most important part of it is as the crow flies. Yeah. yeah Cut that. Flies. We're five minutes from oh, if it's a crow. the Hollywood sign. <laughs> if yeah. it's a crow. Well, yeah. depends yeah. on how fast the bird flies. Yeah. It's like a wind conditions that day, technically. Both of these folks here are extremely talented in what they do. They're Mm -hmm. extremely talented artists and um, we're super excited to talk to them because they are engaged and they've been, um, and they got engaged during the pandemic. So we'll get to that. But, you know, I think of you a lot, Stacey, one, because I love you, but also because there's this infectious disease researcher who's obsessed with you, Ah. Laurel Bristow. Yeah. Oh, but she can- is one of two people that I get my COVID information COVID, yeah. from. She's like your COVID. She's my best friend. Guru. Yeah. 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 Probably yeah. best friend. 
Yeah. I'm like, really, really, I really think, and I think our birthdays might be on the same day. Mm -hmm. So Laurel, if you're listening, I think we're sisters. Oh my God. I knew it. There's a lot of similarities, but she's constantly talking about your art. She loves it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because she's got such a large following that when she does her COVID come downs, which are my favorite, when she like people just ask her questions about her life and her opinions about Harry Styles, who she's a big fan of, but are also when she does um, these really informative breakdowns of like what's going on right now, like right to the minute of what's going on with COVID research. In the background, you can see her art collection and she has quite a few pieces by me. And I think she always gets people asking, what's that in your background? Who did that? What's that? And then whenever she posts about me, I always get like a bump up of several new hundred new followers. So that's nice. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Girl. Yeah. When Thanks, I see Laurel. like new people following me, I'm like, oh, Laurel must have posted. <laughs> Stacy, has the pandemic impacted your art in other weird ways that you might not have expected? Like here, we're talking about a COVID specific influencer that's <laughs> driving followers yeah. to your social media. Um, actually, interestingly enough, I feel like, you know, two years in, I'm seeing my work evolve now into like a darker blue period which I think is, I think that's like where I'm feeling like mentally, not necessarily that I'm feeling blue. I just feel like a, a collective like darkness, which is good and bad, actually. I don't think mm-hmm. that's a sad thing, but I, I, I'm seeing things thematically change and also my color palette getting a little bit richer and darker. So I think that's what's happening. And then another thing that's been happening with the pandemic is people are still collecting art, I think, because everyone is spending so much time inside and then they rethought what their whole interior space looked like. And so no one was spending any money. So why not buy art for your home that you're in 24 hours a day now? Yeah. And and to me, it just feels completely reasonable that you would be feeling a little blue two years yeah. into a global pandemic. Let's just yeah. be clear. Yeah. There's, there's no apologies needed for that. I mean, speaking for myself and I'm going to go out on not a far limb here, a very short limb actually tell, say for myself. <laughs> That, you know, it's also been impacting us pretty heavy as well. Just being cooped up in the house. Mm -hmm. And your new parents. And it's like, this seems like a very unsure time for just like the health of the world, but also bringing a new life into it and thinking like, how do I protect that little one against this like raging public health crisis? And we've talked about a lot. It's like, it's not normal. This is not a normal way to raise a kid, especially a newborn. Like it's already hard enough. Yeah. Being new parents, we're in this experience of like, oh, okay. Like thinking about our kiddos or like the, all of, all of the kids, all of his personalities. Um, no, the kid. And however, before the kid, it really brought us closer. It was like, it was a pretty sweet time in our Mm -hmm. relationship. We just, you know, we were like, okay, we're stuck together. Let's see if this is fun. And we made it fun. So I'm curious from your perspective, what that has been like for you. I mean, I think that for a traumatizing global pandemic that is like shaking society to its core, we've had a relatively easy go of it. I mean, we have, I think like an increasingly strong relationship. We have a nice place to be weathering the storm and, um, you know, if anything, for me, it like really crystallized the fact that, you know, Stacy's like my favorite person to be with. And we just didn't get that bored or that like despondent or like things How? didn't feel much of a drag. How did you not get that bored? We were having a blast before the baby. 
we were having yeah, a really good time. Did. No, I mean, I think that like, you know, it's like the weather of LA is, is very accommodating. Okay. Yeah. You know, like we maintained a certain degree of like, kind of like social rituals, like our patterns didn't change. We're both, we both work from home when I'm not on set or Stacy's not on like a, a, like a mural site. We've, we had already figured out how to like be separate, but together in the same building day in and day out. We were able to treat like by and large, like a Monday through Friday, like Monday through Friday and weekends, like weekends. These are things that we had sort of learned because of the, the specifics of our job. And then with LA, even though the shutdown was relatively like strict, we just were making drinks on our deck instead of going to a bar. And I'm uh, very unwilling to complain about that too much. You know what I mean? We like cooking. Mm -hmm. So we basically got to do a lot of the things that we like to do anyways, more yeah. with a little bit more breathing room. And, um, you know, the day-to-day -day didn't change that much, except for that the day-to-day -day became unchanging. It became one long day. Yeah. <laughs> and do you feel like it is because of the pandemic that you're engaged now? Or was that always just going to happen in the year that it happened? Was that 2021? That was 2020. Okay. Yeah. So uh, good question. I think I'll let Sam feel this one. Was the one who proposed. I mean, <laughs> as the asker, I would say that um, the pandemic and the like, just the intimacy and the isolation and the amount of time that we were spending together without distraction, kind of like not that there was any question, but like if there had been immediately put down, it was just so clear that this was if I can like if we can go through this together and almost enjoy it. This is clearly the right person. It accelerated it. It also delayed it in a way because we spent so much time at home. I didn't want to like propose here, <laughs> you know, like at, when, when, when I was traveling all the time, like our, the center of our world, which is our home was like, we weren't like even overlapping in that often. I had thought that it would be like really romantic to actually propose here, mm -hmm. like in our yeah. home. Right. Like one of our favorite places where we spend the most of our time together. But then it was like, oh, no, we spend all of our time here. Yeah. We're sick of it here. Yeah. As nice as it is, we just like, I can't, I'm like, it can't be here. So it took like a year to basically feel comfortable or nine months into it or something mm -hmm. to feel comfortable to travel, which is also a huge part of our relationship together that it was like, it's got to be offsite at this got point. Got it. So it couldn't just be at the park. You're talking like it needed right. to be somewhere real special. Yeah. yeah. It really had to be on the road in a place that we like cared about. And that's what ultimately happened. We were at a, a friend's small kind of like boutique hotel in a super remote part of Oregon in this town called Joseph, which we, was like the first trip we took. Yeah, which is where I have done uh, an artist residency there in 2017. And so I was there for like almost two weeks by myself and I loved it and had such a great time there and like became friends with the owner and some girls that lived in town. And so when Sam came and visited me that first time, you loved it. You thought it was yeah. just as special as I did. And then when I got another chance to go back out there to deliver a piece of art for the hotel to, for their collection, we thought like, let's make a road trip out of it. That seems safer than flying. And then we'll make it like two weeks. We'll go through like uh, Utah and Nevada and we'll camp in Idaho and then we'll make our way because it's in the very farthest northeastern corner of Oregon State. It's almost on the Idaho border. It's really far out there. It's very hard to get to, but glorious. Yeah, it's so beautiful. 
it's so beautiful. And so, yeah, I was there on one of our last nights. We were we were on the uh, deck of this hotel overlooking the little main street of Joseph. We were having a cocktail. I was wearing my like flare orange shirt for Konohitos. I'll always remember this being like, I'm getting proposed to in a flare orange t-shirt of a drunk rabbit. Like, this is so, <laughs> this is like how I imagine my sweet outfit. <laughs> it, it, that, that sounds perfect. Perfect yeah, for you all. We were having our little like five o'clock like cocktail and we had a little snack platter we made. You know, and no offense to like the the people who get down on one knee in front of like the Eiffel Tower or some like iconic place, which we've like also been to together. The, you know, at some point I just knew that it had to be somewhere. Those aren't bad proposals. Okay? Not bad proposals. Also cute. Totally fine. But it was like personal, but but special, comfortable, but outside of our day-to-day, all of those things together, you know created the perfect storm and we had been together for a while and it was yeah. you know it was absolutely time yeah. to go i mean he definitely time. caught me hard because there was many other times where i thought it might i was like well maybe this and but then you know and it doesn't it's not always the way you think it's going to be and then you definitely caught me off guard which was awesome because that's what you want yes knowing in the macro that it was inevitability mm-hmm. that was that was the way it was yeah. but i just knew that like in the moment i wanted it to be a surprise which becomes yeah. increasing the more difficult the longer you are with someone mm-hmm. and you've already talked about it to a certain degree yeah and it, everybody knows that it's going to happen I was like well even though everything's like written in stone in a way I still need to like get her yeah get her. <laughs> and you got me you got, got me babe I'm really just loving hearing this engagement story I mean you're telling an engagement story to two people who literally watch engagement stories for fun <laughs> And watch proposals for fun. Oh and my god! Sit there and like, I mean, we're we're kind of weird, but like, no, no, we, no you know, we sit there sappy. and cry on the sappy yeah, engagement sappy stories for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like, just more all the details. We just you know all of them. like people do like helicopter tours of like volcanoes, and then they like drop into the volcano, and the guys like no. <laughs> No, the ones I like are where like the the ones I like are where like the person really isn't expecting it and they they like tumble down. They're like, oh, yeah. oh, my God, oh my God, you know, <laughs> they're like, you know, so taken aback and they're right. just so overjoyed. And then like the one where like the guy gets down on one knee and then the girl like opens her fanny pack at Disney and she's got yeah. a tiny onesie because they're also pregnant and she was oh. going to tell him. I mean, it's so good. Oh my God. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Disney. I mean, I think we just hit a new low there of <laughs> uncool. We're like, well, oh, the proposal no, in front of the Magic you Kingdom. Like, you can't escape them because I remember like one went viral of like the girl with her girlfriend might have been at either at Disney or like. Oh, is this flat- a softball game one? No. 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 Okay. Oh my God. There's so many. She's like, she gets down on one knee and proposes and the girl freaks out and does like the, the jump and runs around, runs away and runs back. And then she pulls up her ring for her girlfriend because she was going to propose to her too. Oh my, God. oh my God. I mean, see, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, people fall I know, in love. Thinking about that. And I'm like, not even, I didn't even think I subscribed to that kind of like, but I'm like, ah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's your favorite Disney proposal? <laughs> I was just thinking that it makes a lot of sense because you're spending so much time in line anyways. You yeah. might as well kill the time. You know, like, pain in one place for like two hours. Might as well. You got to take a knee at some point. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Did you know that the Reading Aloud podcast has a Patreon account? 
That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become part of our Reading Aloud family, and we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time, and now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. You know, here on the Reading Aloud podcast, we like to get really real. So far, people are kind of puking in their mouths with how much cuteness there is. I mean, was there ever a hard day in the last two years? Oh, yeah, of course. Like there, like any normal couple, we have our, our friction with each other. And I would venture to say most of the friction we have with each other is, I think maybe we've talked about this in the past. It's like, it's just roommate stuff where it's like, I'm maybe a little bit more like, distracted and less patient and like frenetic and I'll just like leave stuff kind of like messy or I don't clean the kitchen well enough or something and that's usually where we have some kind of like that's the that's the pandemic roommate stuff that I think it's can blow us up a little Mm -hmm. bit yeah when I was hearing a lot of the stories of like specific sort of COVID lockdown relationship issues, a lot of it sounded familiar to me because I think some of the things that people went through being like sequestered in their home together were situations or issues that Stacey and I maybe already have worked through to a certain extent when we began cohabitating in LA because our relationship began long distance. Stacey was in Seattle. I was in Chicago. We did that for two years before we moved to we both moved mutually to a new city. Yeah. And we were very lucky to have like a really strong friend group already existing, mm-hmm. but they weren't like the people that we had spent like all of our days with. And it was, and LA can be a, a notoriously tough city. Mm-hmm. It can be lonely mm-hmm. because of the expanse. And we were both, again, working from home in a smaller apartment and like the, oh shit, it's just like me and her stuck in this place yeah, and the- I need yeah. to figure out how to be a person with another person all the time I had never cohabitated with a significant other so there was a lot of like there was a, le- a steep learning curve mm-hmm. then but that all happened you know four years prior to or longer prior to the pandemic so some of the things some of the friction points that I've heard people talk about I was like Oh, that totally does register. It just didn't happen to us during. Yeah, or I would say the growing pains of getting to know someone and their habits and their routines and then growing together. And then by the time everything came to a head a couple of years ago with the pandemic, I think we had had hit like a nice groove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that the existential dread that came along with the pandemic, the bigger issues, like the non-interpersonal issues, but the like the spiral that everybody was going on or going down in their news consumption yeah. and the unknown. I mean, I remember going to a Target during like, you know, the really like pre-mask gloves and hand sanitizer yeah. era. Wearing gloves, you know? <laughs> no mask. And the whole experience was, it was terrible. I mean, it was all of these things that we as, you know, this, this modern culture come to expect, which I'm going to, I'm not even going to go down that road. (laughs) We're all very fortunate in terms of the availability of like goods and services and, and a certain expectation for, you know, the basic needs being just like available at the store. It's like, you go into this environment 
Everybody's very afraid. We don't know anything about this disease. Shelves are empty. Shelves are bare. I'm looking at the workers and they're there the whole time. We're nervous to be there for five minutes. Yeah. I'm like, this is, everybody's like treating each other as disease vectors. Mm-hmm. It's a really, it was really, it really shook me. It will be the number one kind of like thing that I remember from all of this. It's like this, it's this idea that everything about the way things are, are not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, we're trying to like get toilet paper, like every other maniac in, in America. And I get into the car and I just like grabbed your hand. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. But I was like, glad to have her there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were like, who are going to be the one that goes out now? You go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad to have you there to tell yeah. you that you need to then go out. <laughs> I need you to put your life on the line for that really specific kind of eggplant we need. Yeah, <laughs> Japanese eggplant, not the regular egg. No. Yeah, the small oh, ones. The, yeah, the, yeah. Definitely, yeah, really important. Yeah. Definitely. Having your person definitely can help with existential dread if you're willing to lean in to that person. And then you think about, and maybe or maybe not, you identify like with the some of the stereotypes that come with being an artist, but existentialism is, you know, a classic stereotype about artists. It's like you think about things in a big and deep way. And that is the filter with which you use to, to be creative, to come up with, to be innovative. And yet the input is super negative in this. It's like all just like really fiery and negative. And it's, you know, I wonder, I mean, I've, I felt this as an artist myself, it was much harder to filter it out, you know, maybe it more as an empath, maybe I would consider myself more as, as an empath made it hard to filter it out. But yeah, that, that just what you said, it's like, yeah, everybody experienced on different levels. I mean, we had that experience in our friend groups. It's like some people were like, mm, okay, it's happening. And others were just like, oh, okay, life's over. As, yeah. You know, and, you know, there was just lots of variations on that. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to put it. It's like having the world seeming like it was crushing around us, but then also feeling extremely privileged and lucky to be working from home, being like a, basically a, like an autonomous little business onto myself and you as well. And just seeing everything collapse around us and so to speak, but then it coming together at the end of the day and then being able to talk through things together and then kind of put things in perspective uh, on our deck was just really, it was so, so helpful. And we never had to deal with like the crushing isolation that people are still dealing with today. Mm-hmm. We're so lucky. Yeah. We really are. And I knew I had my person, but it was just, just made so abundantly clear under these circumstances. Yeah. You know, and then, then the way that our, you know, extended community that is largely like created as like this combination of her friends, my friends are all our friends now. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, again, given the, the, the pleasant weather of Los Angeles, like we didn't have to go that long before we could like see people distantly outside it just, we didn't, we didn't crater well, because we had each other and we had a bunch of other people that like I directly associate with the idea of each other as yeah. well. I mean, I think that that's such an important point. And I actually really appreciate talking to you all about this because a lot of the conversations, not all of the ones that we've had on this series, but like, you know, have been really, really focused and and we're we're good to go there about like how it's been really difficult and like struggles that people have went through and it's just it's really amazing to hear your all's story of deepening into each other recognizing these like blessings that were right in front of you and and really making the most of it and recognizing like 
we have our community, we have each other, we have a beautiful home space. I just think it's a nice visualization and example of like the things that really matter, mm-hmm. you know, your love, your home, your friends, your community, like, and those are the things that like gave you joy through this difficult time. And I, it's, it's just beautiful to hear. It's hopeful. That's how I'm hearing it. It's just hopeful and just a wonderful story. So anyway, that's, exactly. that's, I'm just sitting here like basking in that. So thank I you for that. sharing. And that means so much. And actually, uh, my uncle, so it's my uh, aunt's husband, Peter, he's a retired Presbyterian minister, and he's going to be officiating our wedding. And they live in Santa Barbara, and we're actually going to go see them on Friday and have like a, a meeting, like a council with him about just like what, you know, what we'd like to do for our vows and everything. And he actually sent us basically like a questionnaire for the both of us to ask like, why do you, why do you want to get married? Like in general, like, how do you feel about the institution of marriage or what do you like about each other? And like, what do you envision for your wedding? And that's basically, Adam, that's exactly what you said is like, we did kind of compare notes a little bit. And like, we both said the same thing. It's like this past couple of years has really deepened our relationship and it's made us so thankful for our family and our friends and how much we want to celebrate our love for each other at our wedding when we get married and our love for, for you guys, because you guys have been there for us and just like seeing our journeys together. And yeah, that's exactly what we were going for. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that all of this positivity is going to be like undramatic <laughs> content. For the- no, you know, I think that it's easy to want to, well, for one, you know, we're addicted to intensity in this yeah. culture and it's easy to want the difficult stuff. And do we press, you know, record when we're at our lowest points? Yes, we do. But do we also talk about the ways in which we thrive in this relationship? Yes, we do. So think about what just like be sit with the discomfort of what it feels like to hear that with the fact that we've acknowledged the privilege as components of this, you know, what does it feel feel like to hear people experiencing joy in times of deep sorrow. Mm. Again, it's so easy when you have privilege and we, we are acknowledging that out loud. Um, And it's okay to celebrate at the same time. I mean, it's, I mean, you teach me that all the time. Like, you know, like when I want to go deep and I want to, you know, feel my feels and I want to just focus on those feels and, you know, you bring in this super obnoxious positive spin. And, you know, I think it's a balance. I ask you to push pause on that typically and say, you know, let's make some space for what I'm experiencing right now. And then we can get to that. But, you know, there is an internal resistance to want to celebrate in these times. And hopefully there are some people out there that are experiencing hope in listening to this and are saying, oh, wow, like, what if I break this down to just the essentials? Mm-hmm. Am I happy exactly. with the essentials? And essentially what Sam and Stacey are saying is they're happy with the essentials. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one thing that I've, we've come to realize is that like commiseration and bitch sessions are, are some people's like love language, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that I'm not going to judge what somebody gets off on, but some people really like to like plumb the negative for like some sort of release, like, oh, hey, isn't this person an asshole? Or, hey, doesn't this suck? And it's like, yeah, that person's absolutely an asshole. Mm -hmm. Yes, this absolutely sucks. I think about that a lot on my own. Mm -hmm. I do have, like, maybe sometimes a negative or dark disposition or, like, observational lens through which I see some elements of the world. But it's actually not usually what I want to bring to the table when I'm with someone that I love 
I'm, whether they be my partner, my friends, my parents, mm -hmm. my siblings, those are all of the people in my life that alleviate my darker inclinations. So talking about things that are hard and negative and sad are important and inevitable. They are parts of life. Yeah. But I don't know what the, if I, you know, in the long run, fixating or focusing on them is not the way to change things for the better. Mm -hmm. Not just only personally, but like societally. You know, and there are people for whom in this period of reprioritization and values assessment that inevitably came with the pandemic did decide that they didn't like the way their life was going. And so they made changes. So there's a lot of people who are, have got, who've broken up and or gotten divorced. And I think that what you're saying is just that that didn't happen. Right. So it's like to just, instead of, you know, allowing the, the things that are challenging to be the center point, you're allowing this huge blessing, which is that you really looked at each other in the eyes for 24 hour cycles at a time over and over and over and said, yeah, exactly like that. And, and said, you know, you know, this is, this is the right thing. This is the right thing. And it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Yeah. And what's coming up for me, I think something that you said, Sam, you know, you, you can't create change without acknowledging the problem. You know, you always need to identify the problem, but at the same time, like there's this whole, and, and folks know that like I work in the activism space and, you know, there's kind of this whole frame and theory around pleasure activism and the mm -hmm. fact that we, that we, we can't actually achieve the world that we want to live in if, if we don't find ways to find joy and to celebrate through them, at least especially early on in the pandemic, like that first summer and year when the, the lockdowns were happening and before, you know, long before the vaccine, there was real joy that came out of that. And there was there was there was a lot of heartache, but people found a way through through sharing wonderful experiences and 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 sharing and reconnecting and I think it's stories like y'all's and and I hope that folks listening hear this is that let's not lose that let's not lose those like magical moments that were created at the beginning of the pandemic when you know people were playing music on their balconies and <laughs> and we were you know zoom calls suck and we're all so tired of them but you know we were having zoom calls with family and friends yeah. that we hadn't talked to in a while and we were you know people were just doing creative things and let's not lose that i hope that we don't lose that creativity i hope that we don't lose that creative sense of connection and celebration that the pandemic really helped birth yeah it so. really put sharper focus. Yeah, I think I'm wearing a tie-dye shirt that we did within like <laughs> yeah. the first month of like new hobbies. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. during the pandemic and everybody's got the sourdough starters. Don't yeah. let them die. Yeah. You know? Don't let they those sourdough, keep them, keep them. You know, I, for us, this has been a big assessment time, as you can imagine, because we've had so many changes in our lives as well. But as somebody who has a propensity for like really seeing the difficult stuff and then like waiting in it for a, a while and, and kind of taking it in and trying to chew on it and da, 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 is that, you know, when something as serious as the pandemic is happening, I was so grateful that I also did the thing where I was like, okay, what, what is actually bringing me joy? What is truly bringing me joy? Because I, I refuse to like fade because of this. I refuse to crumble because of this. And so, yeah, it, it, it helped me to see those places where I had been spending too much of my time complaining or, you know, kvetching with friends and stuff like that and, and had to let go of those things because I couldn't spare, like it was already sad enough. I couldn't spare 
to be more sad, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think coming at it from a, a painter's perspective in the beginning, I remember thinking like, oh, all of this sanctioned downtime, we are, we are meant to be inside right now. Like some of the best art and music and writing is going to come out of this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to paint and nothing came. It was like someone just like turned off the spigot. And I've, I've talked to so many other creatives and read as such that it was hard for a lot of people to create because just because you have time doesn't mean the inspiration is going to come because there is a lot of like heady existential dread in the world. So perhaps pivot away to something that does give you joy. And so for me, I, I gave myself the space to just not, you know, just like self-flagellate over a, a, a piece of artwork that wasn't coming together or, or not even starting itself. And we really got into cooking. Like Which we, we already were. We already were, but we, I, I remember at the end of every day, I just remember looking forward to whatever we were cooking so much that it was just the, the main bright spot of my day was having a meal with you. And then I didn't have to dwell on the fact that I wasn't creating any monumental art that was capitalizing on this really distressing time. I just gave myself the grace to just be okay with not creating something that was going to change the world. Yeah. I'm curious uh, on that note, just if you can name maybe one really significant thing about yourselves that is different aside from the fact that you're now ambianced. And I asked that because you were like, you know, the spigot gets turned off, but then it slowly gets turned back on. And I'm assuming that there's something different or transformed about you either that or you're just like okay now I now I really got to start painting again but I'm assuming that in that there is a bit of a difference from where you were before I think I'm I'm experiencing a growth in my work which is getting I think like I said it's getting deeper into my storytelling which is fully modeling all the scenes that I paint because I paint a lot of uh, folkloric vignettes in my work and a lot of it was always very graphic and a lot of, there was like white space around it. And um, it was very consumable, especially for like social media. Because I noticed like what hit and what didn't. And like my work now has gotten bigger and darker and more painterly. And it's funny when I was telling Sam about this, like, I think this, this transition has been happening for me for the last two years. And I think I'm really hitting a high point where I feel like my craft is really honed. And I think I'm, I'm getting like a clear idea of what I want to say. But then it's funny because when I present my work on social media, I threw something out there I did like 10 years ago, which is very pared down, very simple, very flat and graphic. Boom, one of the biggest like like bonanzas I've ever posted. People were just liking, 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 liking it. And I was just remember thinking like, oh, I see people like the really simple. There's like no story. It just looks pretty. And I remember that just kind of like hurt my heart a little bit. But then I was thinking like, that's just the social media algorithm. It just, it's just rewarding, like something that looks nice. And I have to not take it personally towards my new work. So I'm just seeing my maturity level being questioned by like the- It's being the, challenged by the algorithm. It's being challenged by the algorithm. Which needs to be destroyed. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that- Oh yeah. 
Oh answer. yeah. Um, I so appreciate that. Cause essentially what you're saying is, you know, I choose me over the masses and, you know, that's a courageous choice because it is really, um, whatever it's seductive or whatever, you know, it's yeah. alluring to want to do the thing that's going to get the attention. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say about that story, Stacey, it's like, I feel like other people I'm sure picked up on this as well. But like, for me, there was just such similarities between that scenario that you just shared and what we were just talking about, about how to survive the pandemic. You know, I mean, there was this, what you're seeing out there that's very flat and consumable and simple. And then what is the deeper meaning things? And that was where you were really at. So that for me, I was just kind of drawing on the similarities from our previous conversation. Yeah, I think it's, we're in a point now where it's like, do you want to engage with more challenging topics or, or more challenging work? Or does, is it just, is this the time to just look at things that, again, it's okay. Just, just look at things that bring you joy. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Neo. Hey, we hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Reading Aloud podcast. If you're interested in learning more or inquiring about working directly with Mighty Souls Fashion Therapy or Adam's Modern Man Training, you can totally do that. You can find Mighty Soul at soulreflection.com. That's S-O-L-reflection.com or follow her on social media at soulreflection. You can email Adam directly at adam at modern-man.org. We hope to hear from you. Now let's get back to today's conversation. I don't know how much of this is, of course it is pandemic based because it's been the past two years of our lives and it's obviously a, an extreme situation. However, it may end up being more normal than we would all like to admit moving forward. But that's a whole, that's for a separate podcast, I think. Um, I think it's accelerated like a certain amount of evolution that I've had in my thinking whether it was intentional or not, you know, I think I used to spend a lot of my time, a lot of my present time thinking about the future, but in abstraction, not in specifics and not in like a material capacity. I was like worried about the future and like making it, whatever that meant, like getting, getting a movie idea that then would get made or getting this specific movie idea made or whatever but not really thinking about like, well, then what happens when that happens? And spending so many of my like waking hours thinking about the future in this sort of like unrealistic, not to say that it can't happen, but like a, an intangible, hard to define, relatively meaningless ultimately way, I think. And so prior to even the pandemic, I was beginning to get better at learning how to like find joy in the day, find joy in the interaction, find joy in the thing I'm consuming. Don't be nauseated by the thing I'm consuming. Don't pursue material or experiences that I find unsatisfying. If I would prefer to go for a hike instead of try to work and kill myself in front of the computer and have nothing come, go for the fucking hike. Yeah. You know, and and thinking about life as the thing that is happening currently, as opposed to the thing that is going to happen down the road has been a life project of mine that I feel like I've gotten better at and still have struggles with. But it is everything, I think, because there is no future. There is only now. And all that your life is, is, a, is an accumulation wait, of Wait, now. wait, wait. You, wait, wait, wait. So you're, you're saying that you've been in, that you've reached enlightenment in the <laughs> yeah. last two years. I think, I think Thich Nhat Hanh actually reincarnated recently yeah. into Sam. <laughs> no, I, I feel you though. 
That's so true. Yeah. And I mean, like, I am not experiencing this through like any like Eastern philosophy or Zen enlightenment. It's straight up like a pleasure pig (laughs) chasing around things that make me feel good, like playing tennis or reading a book instead of the news in the morning, acknowledging that like I'm only productive in the morning. Like that's the only time I'm going to write anything good that I like. So I'm just going to do it then. I'm not going to make myself like do it later because it's not five, you know, it's still like I'm still on the clock or whatever else. And then acknowledge how important socialization is for my happiness. I'm not going to be guilted into not seeing friends, allowing myself a little bit of permission to pursue the things that I find more like day-to-day enjoyment of. And as long as that's responsible and caring and supportive for like our life and all of that, then it can't be wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that it reminds me of something I've been inspired by lately. It was someone talking about how person just kind of talking about this, a similar philosophy that, that you're talking about. And they were, they were saying everybody comes up to them and be like, well, I don't understand how you do that. Cause my, the schedule for my day is this, and then I have to go to this, and then I have to go to this, and then I have to go to this. And they're like, well, whose issue is it? Like your schedule stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Change up that schedule if you can. And I know that, you know, there's there's a definite privilege and ability to do that. But at the same time, I think we do have an ability to focus on the things that make us happy. And that's really important. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well put, babe. Yeah. And it all makes it sound like I'm probably like in a better mental space than I really am. Oh, well, yeah. then tell us how it, you it, really it are. Change that is what changed because I was probably in a worse place. Well, I don't know. As someone who is your partner and lives with you, I do have to say, like, after all these years together, I do think that you, you do seem a little better. You seem better. No, a little, I don't know, less heavy, I suppose. Mm, getting soft in the old age yeah no I think it's great that's a great thing yeah no I know it could be a lot of factors right it could be the well you know we talked about knowing that we were each other's person the minute we met each other and yet still the point of engagement created a resting for us and we talked about this a long time ago in a podcast but for me my experience was like there's a vigilance about being single or even dating there's just and I I don't know if that would be the same for you all but it for me there's a vigilance about that like okay if this doesn't work out I need to kind of remember how to flirt or prepare you know or whatever and and then when Adam and I did get engaged, I almost couldn't believe how much of my mental and emotional state was relieved. There was like a part of me that was like, okay, that part of me that does the dating and does the considering all my options is just not on right now. And again, it might be different for you all since you had been together longer, but still, you know, I mean, that can soften a soul, the pandemic could potentially soften a soul, age can soften a soul. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept. Yeah, I can, I understand that. Not that I was like trying to like, okay, how's my flirting game while we were together? (laughs) But um, I think when we got engaged, actually, I remember we were telling our friends, Heather and John, and they were like, they were so excited. They're like, oh my God, you know, the sweet reaction. And then they're like, it's, it's cool, right? I feel like John was like, it's, it's cool. Like being engaged. And you're like, yeah, it's like, it's like feels good feels good which right. is so, such a, I never thought of it in terms of like a feels good man but I was like <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's great yeah like even if you knew that that was what you wanted or where you were headed it does mm-hmm. it does feel good it's something mm-hmm. about it it's it not insignificant 
if like there's we've ever been like really sure about something like this is it there's no like well i don't know maybe i should wait it's like no this is yeah. it this, well, this is what's happening. it must be why everybody does it like one of the reasons <laughs> I think it's the right reason to do it. I don't know if it is why everybody does it, but I've always thought that like the engagement period is really special and it's, it's, um, it's an intentional space that we often don't put enough intention into. It's only this kind of short sliver of a time, you know, a year, maybe two, and people will automatically jump to wedding planning, but it, it can be this you know, the settling that you all are talking about, this kind of special space to grow and deepen your relationship. And it's funny that your engagement period has happened during the pandemic, where yeah. you've really been not only engaged in this space to deepen your relationship, but also then quarantined together for us to deepen your relationship. So, yeah. you know, right after I've bashed people who jumped to wedding planning, I, I do <laughs> want to hear some highlights about it. Yes, please, please. Well, we actually were planning. So we got engaged end of like September of 2020. I think I immediately, when it became clear, we were going to do the wedding like the way we wanted. And also we were going to basically, we were going to pay for it ourselves. Which for the for the listeners, it's, it's going to be a big one. Yeah. It's going to be a relatively yeah. large wedding and it's going to be as to the extent that is possible as like non-COVID affected wedding as the circumstances allow. Mm -hmm. So like we had to delay the time in which yeah. we were going to, we're not the only people with that idea. We were not the only people that thinking that the vaccine was going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. We had picked a closer date that would have rendered us married already yeah. that we thankfully did not pick yeah. because it would have been like at the peak of, I don't know, yeah. Omicron and same time. Um, yeah. And so we picked a far enough out date that probably created like a, technically a longer engagement than yeah. either of us would have chosen, but it allowed us so much less stress right. in the planning of it. Because the, the process getting there was fraught. I think we, we decided on Milwaukee because it was more cost-effective. I'm from Seattle and I just nothing but the deepest obsessed love with that city, but it is different and very, very, very expensive now, almost like on par with Los Angeles. So there was just like no way we could get away with like pulling off the wedding we wanted without, you know, I, I don't know, going into severe, severe debt. So Milwaukee, Wisconsin was our solution. So when we looked into it, and I remember it was around, let's say, January of 2021. We had, uh, I think, a call at the Hilton, which is where we're getting married, and with a wedding planner. And it was, I think, like, it was like January 5th. And then we had all these dates that just were really not great. One of them was like uh, the week before our friend's wedding here in Los Angeles. And the other one was three days before Christmas. That was it. I'm like, oh, these are such crap options. And I remember thinking of the next day, there was like the insurrection at the Capitol. And I just was like, this is too much. I can't handle it. And the next, the day after that, I had all these new white hairs right here. I had like a whole like new white streak. And I was like, I think we need to push this. It's funny because I was like year. camping in Zion oh, with yeah. barely, without any cell service. So like, I barely knew that that all happened. Yeah. That I emerged from the middle of nowhere to be informed that yeah. Yeah, I was like, I agree. And it has been such a blessing because it's given us a year and a half to just really get everything dialed in, in the most relaxed way possible. We actually just got a wedding planner, which we're so excited about. She's incredible. And we were, I felt really good. Like we had a lot of stuff already lined up and none of it was too traumatic. My advice to anyone, if they have the time and space, just 
give yourself as much of a timeline as you can, because Mm -hmm. it just will be easier on you. Yeah. There's also the energetics of it. Like you want to ride a wave. Right. And at the same time, we had the experience of, we, you know, we were married in 2016 and we started to try to have a baby at the top of 2017. And then, you know, Neo didn't happen until 2020. And there were so many times along the way where like friends were lapping us. It was like baby one, baby two, you know, they're having these life experiences. We're devastated that it's not working. We're unsure of how, or if it will ever work. I think a lot of people in the pandemic have had to push pause on a lot of different elements of their life and it feels defeating and it feels unfair. And I think that in the four years that we were forced to go through this journey of infertility, I do think that there were some like genuinely hard-earned hard moments like it, it I think it makes sense right and at the same time we look back and I think about how quickly we fell in love you know it wasn't like right away we were married but it was quick you know and then and then we would have had a baby right away and just what we got in that period of time and that's a little bit more for us in retrospect but I hear you saying we're getting something in this process you know we're not losing something Exactly. I think that's like at the time it did feel unfair because of COVID with what was happening, which is like every couple's story, either having to postpone their wedding that was happening in 2020 or, you know, the next year when they were planning it. And I think it was a blessing for us to make it to make it easy. I mean, I guess we've just been we've been really good at just like slowing things down in our relationship. And it has really been to our benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I was going to like psychoanalyze us, I mean, Stacy and I spend most of our time independently being like mini tyrants of these worlds we're trying to create obsessive focus on like a script or a given shoot I'm on or one of Stacy's paintings. That is what I want to spend the majority of my like controlling powers. <laughs> like I want to devote them to things like that. Your, your I don't powers wanna, is a benevolent dictator. I just don't want to try to control the world. Like I feel like I maybe did at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. And this like wedding process, you know, I think that people will be more for like us personally, but like there's a certain amount of like the wedding that is going to maybe be surprisingly like stock for some folks that maybe think we would have had like a more like esoteric, highly specific, super curated experience that is unlike any other wedding they've been to. That is like not what we're doing. We're doing like, it's like a very classic time with elements of our personality with all of our favorite people. So we don't have to spend every waking moment creating like paper mache. Yeah, yeah, totally. Great on you. Cause that, I think that that the pressure to do that could be really real for a lot of people. It'll be magic. However it happens. And, and what I again hear you saying is that the magic is going to be in the love and the fact that you've got your people together for the first time in a while. Yeah. And with that said, you know, it is a black tie optional wedding. You're going to be in a tux. And so I cannot wait for what you guys are going to wear. Marisol, especially for you, I cannot wait. We've, we, we've had many, we've, yeah, oh, I mean, we've already like, it's been a, bought, it's been a we've consistent bought, like, topic of conversation. Yeah. I mean, like we're on like our fourth, you fourth know, option you, dress. Yeah. We've <laughs> Like you need, you are going to bring it. Yeah. Well, I might be like hand beating something right now. Yes. Love it. <laughs> But yeah. um, and we already bought out of a suit, but we had to return it because you're you're correct in that it has been topic of, of conversation. Yeah. Also um, trying to retain as much enjoyment of the experience 
for ourselves as well. Like we want to be a part of the party, not like throwers of the party Mm -hmm. as much as possible. So, right. Uh, Has there been any weird COVID habits that you've picked up in the past two years? Like weird things that you never did, but now with COVID seem normal. Hmm. Tennis notes. Yeah. I mean, kind of for you. I mean, the number one most specific like uh, COVID like tick that I have that is not specific to me because it's like been commented on widely on the internet is that watching TV shows or movies in which people go into into buildings or crowded rooms and I'm like, where's their mask? Yeah. Did they forget their mask? And that's not like the scold, like, well, put your mask on. It's more just like this impulsiveness of like, I put my mask on. And it, it, it still nags at me whenever I see like anyone going to like a large communal space. I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, the mask. Yeah. Do you think that from your perspective, Sam, do you think that if masks were to be the norm, which they're not, we're going to get through this in a different, it's going to look different. But like if we ever had to or felt like we wanted to wear masks forever and ever, amen, would movies still continue to be maskless or would we just start eventually incorporating it because it's more like real life? I think if the job of the show is to like communicate some sort of fidelity with reality, especially like currently or expect to comment on it, you're going to have to incorporate it into the storytelling. I think aesthetically great art is made in like the heat of war, but most of it usually comes 10 years down the road, you know, perspective. Yeah. When we have a little bit of perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if people can gain perspective anymore. It seems like we've <laughs> lost our ability to do so. So there will probably be like a ton of dumb like mask joke and like COVID based shows like within six months of being out of this disaster. But- yeah. And then like hopefully then years prior or yeah, I'm sorry, years later, we can be like, yeah, that show is who wanted to watch that? It's like we lived that like that wasn't that interesting. <laughs> it really yeah. wasn't. What's your favorite thing that you learned to cook during the pandemic? Well, we did get a rice cooker. Uh, Ooh, those oh, are good. Life-saving. Not, learned to not cook. The, the yeah. thing I learned to not cook, again, like knowing when you should just stop beating yourself up for something that's just never going to happen. I can't cook rice. It's just never worked for me. It's always gummy or too hard. And I found a rice cooker on sale and I went for it and I we're going to use it tonight. I love it so much. The Zojirushi, it sings to you. It does a little, like a little, uh, little ditty when it's ready. Mm-hmm. And I just, it has made rice just such an enjoyable, lovely, warm thing to have with your dinner. Yeah. It's, uh, it is something that I will allow to take up a lot of space in my home. Same. Yeah. Same. We're pro rice cooker. Yeah. Yeah. We had basically like a once or twice a week friend kind of rotation of people coming over because out of most people we knew we had an outdoor space. So every once in a while, someone would hit us up and say, Hey, like, what's up? Do you guys want to, you guys want to have like a socially distanced drink? We'd be good and say, yeah, that'd be great. But the implication was at our house. So we would have a person or a couple on one side of the deck, we would be on the other, and I would create a little charcuterie board for them, and then a little charcuterie board for us. Separate snack plates. Yeah, and then it it was really lovely, and then after a while, it was like we would, you know, people would... It was just consistent enough that by the end of a cycle, we would go back around again, and this person at the very beginning would say... Hey, it's been a couple months. Like, what's what's going on? You guys want to have a drink and we would start all over again? All the while, probably being criticized by our neighbors. Oh yeah, I know. Those, um, those days I'm glad are over. Thinking everyone was mad at us because we had someone, like one person, on our deck. What about you guys? Do you have any cooking revelations? 
Adam still owes me a um, Great British Baking Show thing. Oh yeah, I've been wanting to make one of those. You know, the, the oh. meat pies that they make no, in a bread in a bread thing. Well, yeah, yeah, you make the own dough. You make the you know the watercrust pastry, and then you <laughs> stuff it's it. It's not like a pie that you fold. It's like a loaf of a pie. It's like meat filled. Wait, Wellington or no? No, no. See, that's what it's not. It's the like imagine bread, like banana bread, uh-huh. and you're looking at it, and it's bread on the outside, but the inside okay. is just packed. Yes, I think I've seen something like this that looks yeah. delicious. You know, in medieval times, it was like pigeon pie. Uh Yeah. Yeah. But to answer your question, Sam, I think for me, what I honed in on were both my pancake recipes and my biscuit recipes, you know, like really dialing them in, you Mm -hmm. know, I I make a mean like Southern biscuit. And I'm assuming that Allison Roman does listen to our podcast. So (laughs) when you hear this, it's actually your biscuit recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got to get her cookbook. The, the yeah. cookbook's actually amazing. Like, you know, you think you can find everything on the internet, mm-hmm. but her cookbook is somehow so different. And we use it every time we've ever had guests. We've had it since we moved into our house. Yeah. We're going to get you a kitchen in Milwaukee to make some biscuits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. You, you, you won't regret them. All right. Y'all. Yeah. Okay. We are officially going to end the recording. Thanks you all for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.